0: Welcome to the Lapsus Lima podcast. Please support us by signing up for member-exclusive content at lapsuslima.com. Hello everyone, and welcome to Intermezzo 13. Recently, Apple introduced a new computer. This entry isn't about the laptop itself. It's about what passes for hardware innovation these days the tiny little touch bar they have placed at the top of the keyboard in this case, and why it's but the latest expression of a deeply rooted conflict between touchscreen and mouse, or pointer-driven displays, that began with the release of the first iPhone. Touchscreen interaction is not pointer interaction and vice versa. The two are irreconcilable but increasingly inseparable modalities, just as monumentality and livability are in buildings. Karl Krauss once wrote of Adolf Loos's similarly strict distinction between monument and house by stating, "Loos and I, he in reality, I verbally, have nothing else to do but to show that there is a difference between an urn and a chamber pot, and that this difference is necessary because it guarantees the game of culture. The others, on the other hand, the defenders of positive values, divide themselves between those who take an urn for a chamber pot And those who take the chamber pot for an urn. In this instance, the defenders of positive values would be the logical positivists of the Vienna Circle, who would operate by handling only measurable tangibles. Their intellectual cousins can be found today discussing the technological specifications of computers and arguing about battery life versus RAM capacity and other such trade-offs. They will quarrel over whether a device is too thin or too thick. But while these things are important, what supersedes them almost all is usability, ease of use and user experience. This is something that has the difficult honor of being ineffable in its totality, but immediately recognizable, an intangible made up of many components and behaviors that are nonetheless both quantifiable and measurable. Designing for usability and interaction is a combination of art and science. Interaction design, user interface, or UI, means determining how a product presents itself to a user, hopefully with an eye to making it a more capable and enjoyable tool for the jobs the user wants to hire it for. When the iPhone was launched, a radical split was created in the way computers were interacted with. Up until that time, The consensus had been the so-called WIMP modality, short for Windows, Icons, Mouse Pointer. This meant a computer that had a display, and the user would interact with the computer through distinct and separate indirect input devices. Even in the flame-war days of command-line DOS versus the graphical interface Macintosh, both sides of the divide used indirect interaction. At root, the new touchbar screen is a reiteration of a fundamental conflict in contemporary computing. For more than 20 years, we were able to assimilate and develop a consistent input modality screen as separate from pointer and keys. Direct manipulation pointers existed with examples including an on-screen light pen, the Newton, or Pocket PC. Wacom tablets do not count. That is indirect input. Direct screen manipulation was extant pre-iPhone, but very limited in scope and impact. And aside from the Newton The direct input implications on interaction vocabularies were barely explored. Touch input demands a distinct UI. So when do you touch and when do you point? How do you adapt the OS? How do you adapt the UI? A simple example is that with mouse pointing, Targets like buttons are best kept at the top of a screen because humans habituated to alphabets have their eyes look up there naturally, and for a mouse, the top of a screen is a target that is infinitely tall. You just can't miss it. With touch, buttons are best at the bottom so that they can actually be at your fingertips and you can interact without covering up the rest of the screen with your hands and arms. Apple has mostly kept these UI modalities separate, touch being for handhelds and point for computers. This is echoed in a similar division in the software internals, where the OS is unified at the base of the system stack and branches outward as you go up. iOS and OS X are all mock kernel BSD Unix, similar core APIs, but different from there on up, and at the user level, interactions play by very different rules, and rightly so. Different tools serve different purposes. Microsoft charted a very different route in UI as well as OS strategy. They took the ballsy decision to unify both operating system and interface. Behold, Windows 10. It is clunky, but I see why they did it. They want a single developer base driving a unified yet flexible UI. This often falls flat, though, due to the flexibility, being expressed as tiles-gone-mad in disorienting full-screen, heavy-touch modality. From a product management perspective, however, it's very strategic. Microsoft remembers the days in which it was the sullen king of platform fragmentation, with Windows CE, XP, NT, Server, Pro and so on and so forth. They are now overreacting to their own past. The trade-off they came out with in the form of Windows 10 is a neither-fish-nor-fowl problem, perceptible in hardware and software alike. Apple CEO Tim Cook joked about gluing a toaster to a refrigerator in reaction to the large and heavy MS surface. But then, the iPad Pro came to exist. Clearly, neither side has a monopoly on being correct. As Krauss noted, the positivists may quibble... About chamber pots as urns or urns as chamber pots, but the distinction and distance between them is the breeding ground for culture. That famous dictum by Wittgenstein, himself a committed Kraussian, wherein the meaning of a word is its use, appeals to this ethological approach to language. The meaning of a chamber pot or urn is not inherent to the thing in itself, but dependent on how they're made use of in the language game that they partake of. It follows that adequate form is bound to user behavior, much as a building is bound to its site and the self to its circumstances. So, discovering how and where touch interactions fit our lives best vis-à-vis where and how point interactions do is synonymous with understanding the shape these lives have, and the ones they can take. This is why I think the touch bar does so little to advance this understanding. If anything, it opens up a can of worms by being gimmicky. While even in this early stage the touch bar has some merit, I think it does too little to advance this line of understanding. Here are the fundamental problems with it. The bar lacks any tactile cues, essential for no-look operation. It is not part of the main screen, and so each use of it calls for a split locus of attention, diverting the eyes from the main display area. Splitting input device from locus of attention is exactly why desktops will always be more ergonomically humane the notebooks the touch bar drawing your eyes away from the screen is mitigated by the fact that on a notebook it is very close to the bottom of the screen but if this were ever applied to desktops the locus of attention issue would get worse if it remains on laptops you are sinking development cost and component cost into a limited Pro segment of the products. Though not exactly analogous, OEMs like HP and Toshiba already experimented with highly customizable, whiz-bang, light-up F-key rows in the early 2000s. They did not sell well or last long because they were not good to use. The touch bar is a very small screen that, despite some promise, is being loaded with inappropriate functions. This will lead to bad UI choices. Though touted by Apple for color selection, the touch bar is a terrible color picker. An on-screen color picker will always be better because the mouse point is more accurate, and does not obscure what you are pointing at. Adding more ways to do the same thing is very 90s Microsoft and expressly poor design. Another struggle is that this bar will change with what apps are in front. Wave goodbye to your permanent volume keys that you could always adjust without looking. Same for brightness and play pause. Functions that change per app reduce consistency and increase modality. Muscle memory is further hindered by the lack of tactile cues, and usability suffers. One thing that could have been recovered, and should be in coming revisions, is to add a small bevel at the edges of the active touch area so at least the escape zone becomes tactile again. From what I hear, the touch bar is a mini Apple Watch OS and a tiny additional processor in the laptop. I can see how this optimizes factory production and keeps inventory levels low, paging former COO Tim Cook but from an industrial design and platform strategy vantage, this is a bad idea. Inserting a modified watch OS and hardware into the laptop splits focus and development resources. It could be simplified. It should be simplified. Instead, It embraces the very platform fragmentation that Microsoft has been struggling to banish for so long with wide-open arms. For now, it is a glorified F-key row, and my suspicion is the much more modest Touch ID will probably impact the user experience the most. Imagine no more passwords to enter across the entire Apple ecosystem. We have yet to solve the problem of how to settle touch and point within the borders of a single ecosystem. The touch bar is the latest symptom of the struggle in this adaptation, but the real solution to this problem is not to slap on flashy new features and call this innovation, but to ensure the game of culture, as Krauss so presciently encouraged, by keeping the rules of design humane and sensible.